with inside of a church, whether it's uh, the church doing it or they're partnering with, a, with a, a ministry that does do it. Why? Because he says this, he says, go into the highways and the byways, right? And reach those people. Well, if you know anything about the highways and the byways, those were not people that had money. Those were not people that were, had it all together. Those were people that were hurting. Those were people that were the outcasts. Nobody wanted to reach these kind of people. Why? Because the highways and the byways was the hood. Everybody say the hood. But how many know that there's treasures in that kind of darkness? Amen? Amen. And so, uh, so I believe this kind of ministry is important. And the only reason, another reason, not the only reason, but another reason why is because when somebody that is addicted to drugs or somebody that is messed up with any kind of uh, situation within their lives where it's out of control, because we've all been there, whether it's drugs, whether it's sexual intercourse, whether it's pornography, whatever it is, we've all been into a place where we're out of control. And how many of you know that the only way that you are going to get in control is through having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Nobody is strong enough to attack sin, to defeat sin. The only way you can defeat sin is through having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? So this morning, uh, I want to talk about, uh, the title is this, All Things or No Thing. Everybody say that. All Things or no thing or you could say nothing and so we're going to go to John 15 verse 5 <clears throat> John 15 verse 5 and it says this I am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing Apart from me, you can do nothing. Come on, everybody say that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I pray that you would anoint, God, this time. I pray that you would speak to people, Father God. And I pray this in Jesus' name, God, that you will move in a very special way. God, I pray for miracles, signs, and wonders. I pray for deliverance. I pray for great things to happen this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you study this scripture, if you study this chapter where Jesus is speaking, you're going to begin to see that he's using a metaphor, right? And he's using the metaphor of a farmer, of a gardener, right? And one of the things that you'll see when you begin to read John 15 is three different kinds of descriptions here, right? The first thing that you're going to see is that you're going to see the gardener or the vine dresser, other translations say. Well, how many of you know who the gardener is? That's a question. It is God, right? In this scripture, you begin to see the Trinity at work. It's all one God, right? But they all have different functions. Amen? And in this scripture, you begin to see it. And I'm going to share it uh, very quickly. You can go really deep into it, but I won't do that. I'll give you an overview. So number one, God, the Father, is the gardener. Amen? 
What does that mean? That God is in control of our growth. Right? But he needs your participation. Right? And we're going to get into that. But God is in charge of your growth. What does that mean? That means that God sometimes puts us in situations because he loves us. And sometimes those situations are difficult, not so that you can give up, not so that you could get angry with him. No, it's so that you can grow. And sometimes those situations can be difficult. Amen? So God's role as the gardener is twofold. Twofold, all right? So number one, God's, God cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Everybody say no fruit. God intends for us to bear fruit. Amen? God is the gardener that gets rid of the dead wood so that living fruit-bearing branches may be sharply distinguished from them and may, and may have more room for growth. Amen? God looks at our lives and see if there's any fruit. God looks not only character fruit, right? Because the Bible says that there is uh, evidence of your repentance. How many ever read that scripture? There's evidence of your repentance. So this is what this means, right? There's so many people that say, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ, and yet they're still cussing, right? Yet they're still getting high, yet they're still doing what they're not supposed to do. And eventually what happens is you begin to ask yourself, where is the fruit of repentance? Amen? Because so many times we repeat a prayer, so many times we know how to act like a Christian. How many of you know that you can act like a Christian? You can act like a believer, but not actually be one? Come on, I know this is hard, but this is truth. So many times, if you go to a church, you begin to learn the behavior of a believer without really having the life-changing power of Jesus changing your life, really. Right? And so this is where God begins to evaluate your life. And he begins to say, hey, where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? Because what happens is when you're in the process, when you're in this journey, God begins to say, if you have no fruit, I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to cut you off. Amen? Does that mean that God gives up on you? Well, the good thing about God is that the Bible says that he is long-suffering. That his loving kindness is great. And so he gives us grace after grace after grace. But if you read Romans chapter 1, there is a situation where God says, I will give you over to your lust. So what does that mean when God says, I'll give you over? To a certain essence, God is saying, if that's what you want, then go ahead and do that. He'll give you over. Another commentator said this, when God gives up, and it's not because God gives up, it's because you have rejected him. It's because we have rejected his process. It's because we have rejected the way uh, of the word of God, because we haven't been able to humble ourselves through conviction. God eventually says, well, if that's the way you want to live, go right ahead and live that way. It's another story, right, in the Bible where the people of Israel were asking for a king when God himself 
was their king. How many remember that story? If you don't know that story, you should read that story. And what did God say? Because they asked for this king, I'm going to go ahead and give it to them. So we have to be careful what we're asking God. Right? And we're going to get into that a little bit. If not, I could always come back and finish it. But we have to make sure that what we're praying is in God's will. Because there's certain things that we pray for and it's fleshy. Uh, one a good example is sometimes we could be praying for a relationship that's not God's will. And signs are hitting you back and forth. It's like going down a road with a whole bunch of signs and those signs are hitting you in the face. And you're still going 100 miles down that road. God says, hey man, I give you so many signs not to go down this road. But if this is what you want, this is what I'll let you get. Why does he do that? For growth. He really does. He'll allow us to suffer for growth. He'll allow us to make bad decisions for growth. He'll allow us to do all the stuff against his will because he does allow us to do that. He doesn't force us to, to do anything. He does it for growth. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so God is the gardener. Number two, we'll see that Jesus is the vine. Now, if you know anything about a vine, it is always attached. It is the main source of where the branch is attached to. And so when it comes to prayer, we think God is only interested in just our spiritual side of life. Right? But he's not. He is our source for everything. And this is the whole definition of integrity. Everybody say integrity. I know some of us, we understand that when we're at work, we think that we're not Christians at work. Or we've known people like that. Or, you know, we know people sometimes, and I, even myself, growing up in the Lord, I thought it was supposed to be separate. I'm a Christian at church, you know, but then, you know, when I go somewhere else, you know, I could cuss, I could drink, I could do all this stuff. But that's not having Jesus as Lord of your life. Right? When Jesus comes inside of your life, he wants all of your life. So you're a believer not only in church, you're a believer at your job. You're a believer at the grocery store. You're a believer in front of your family. Even though they're used to you drinking or whatever you're doing or having fun and cussing. No, no, no. Because Jesus changed your life, you have to show the fruit of that. Can somebody say amen? And so Jesus is the vine. He is interested about everything that goes on inside of you. He's interested about things that worry you. He's interested about things in your job when you guys begin to work. He's interested about things that are going on in your family. He is interested in things that are going on with your money. Amen. Jesus is the vine, which means Jesus is our source. Amen. So many times we forget that. So many times we try to take the reins from Jesus and we try to do it ourselves. Right? We try to say, oh, I don't need God for this. Oh, I don't really need to see God every day. Why? why? That's too much. I actually heard somebody say that I don't pray every day because I don't want to be religious. I don't pray every day because I don't want to be religious. I want it to be genuine. But well, can I tell you something? I talk to my wife every day. 
because I'm in love with my wife. And if you're in love with Jesus, you want to talk to him every day. Not because you're being religious, not because it's a ritual, not because somebody's telling you to. No, because you're in love with Jesus, because he has rescued you from the pit that we were in. And because he shows so much grace when he didn't have to, I, you know, willingly seek him every single day. I willingly worship him every day. Does that make sense? It doesn't come from a religious spirit. It comes from a spirit of a relationship. Amen. And so many times we're really good at being religious and doing stuff for religious purposes. But the Bible doesn't say if you pray, if you fast. It says when, when you pray, when you fast. That means he wants you to do it every single day. And the reason why we do that, not only because we love him, but because he's our source. Some of us think, you know, we've gotten the jobs that we've gotten because we got the skills. Yeah, but who gave you the skills? Some of us think open doors came because you have charisma. But who gave you that charisma? Some of us think, some of us that have degrees and stuff like that, that open doors came because you worked hard and you got the degree. Well, who gave you the intelligence to go to school? And then after that, who gave you the intelligence to graduate and find that job? There's people right now that have no mind to think. There's people right now that can't hear, they can't see. And the same God that has provided all that to you is your source of everything. In Deuteronomy, the Bible says that it is God that gives us the, the ability to get money, to get wealth. It's God that gives you the ability. And when you live your life with that perspective, when you begin to live your life that Jesus is my source, he's my source of joy, not a relationship. He's my source of comfort, not alcohol, not drugs, not family. He's my source of wisdom. He's my source of knowledge. He's my source of protection. You begin to get connected and you begin to see the value of staying connected through him. One of the ways is through prayer. Amen. And number three, you'll begin to see this uh, is you are the branches. We're the branches. So let's go through this again. Who's the gardener? God, the father. Right. Who's, uh, who's the vine? Jesus. And who are the branches? Amen. So branches are not the source. Right. How many ever seen a broke off a branch that had leaves on it and all that stuff and you left it in a corner somewhere and you come back a few days later, are those leaves still there? No, eventually they fall off. And the reason why they fall off is because a branch was disconnected from the source. When you begin to disconnect from your source, which is Jesus, you begin to spiritually die. You cannot bear fruit apart from Jesus. You cannot bear fruit apart from the Word of God and living the Word of God. You cannot bear fruit apart from prayer. You cannot bear fruit apart from living the Word of God. We cannot do Christianity the way we think Christianity should be done. This is the reason why we have to read His Word and find out how it's supposed to be done. Because unless we do it His way, we won't bear fruit. 
Can somebody say amen? So it's, 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 a, it's a vital teaching to understand we're the branches. We're not the source. In other words, we need Jesus. We also need the gardener. So I'm going to give you a few um, descriptions of a fruitful branch and an unfruitful branch. You guys ready? This, is, this helped me. This is going to help you a lot. All right. So number one, a lack of proper nutrition will cause unfruitfulness. Poor supply of water or nutrients will destroy the vine or the branch, which is the connection of the source. What does that mean? If Christ's life and love does not flow in us, we will spiritually be unproductive. That is a fruitful, that's an unfruitful branch. If you begin not to pray or seek God or read his word or have a hunger for him, you will become unproductive. Amen? How many like wasting their time? Nobody likes wasting their time. I absolutely hate wasting my time. And so many of us for so many years have wasted our time trying to do it our way. Amen. So many times we try to do it without seeking God. And so many times we try to do it without godly counsel. Well, when that happens, we become unproductive. Number one, number two is an unfruitful branch begins to develop diseases, which is insects and disease move from the dead wood into a healthy plant. So what does this mean? That means that ongoing sin or unresolved past issues will lead to spiritual ineffectiveness. I understand that you guys pray about like two hours every day, about an hour or two, three hours, three hours. <coughs> Jesus, that's powerful. I'm going to tell you this, that this place should be filled with God's glory the minute you walk in. You know prayer could just be a something you do because you have to. I used to run a discipleship home and eventually you begin to see who the people that are actually taking it serious and the people that are not taking it serious because they can function, right? Hey, we pray at from eight to nine, we read your word and you go through classes and stuff like that. And then you begin to see, oh man, that person's changing, right? That's the fruit. That's a, 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 their spiritual life being effective, right? Because they're actually doing it. They might not do it perfect. They might have a lot, of, a lot to learn regarding that stuff. But the evidence is there. The effectiveness of what they're doing is there. Their character begins to change, right? Now they begin to see the effectiveness because their prayers are being answered. Maybe their family member begins to get saved, right? But then you begin to see the people that are not taking it serious. But they look so serious but then you see six months nine months down the road there's no fruit there's no effectiveness there's no there's nothing really being produced what does that tell you about that person they're what disconnected. they're disconnected they're going through the motions right and that's what god doesn't want because he's talking to religious people or people that have learned from Sadducees and Pharisees, his disciples. And he says, you can act religious. 
you can know the whole five books of the Bible. Because if you know anything about the Pharisees, they had to memorize all for first five books of the Bible for memory. You can be impressive like that. You can know the word like that. But you still could be uh, not connected to Jesus. Why? Because you're going through the motions. Amen? You begin to develop a disease spiritually that makes you ineffective. So the reason why I'm telling you this is so that throughout the day, you begin to, man, where, where am I at? Is things producing in my life or I'm just doing time? Because you could just do time. There's a lot of people in churches that they do it out of habit. They do it because they're doing time. They're in a spiritual prison. Just, just tick-tock, I'm here until my husband comes. Tick-tock, I'm here until my wife comes. Tick-tock, I'm here until God blesses me. What a job. Tick-tock, I'm here until my family accepts me, accepts me again because I'm going to church or I'm in a religious program. Tick-tock. And once they get what they want, they revert back to who they really are. But if you're connected, the change lasts for a lifetime. Because when Jesus changes you, he really changes you. I don't even recognize who I am. The way I used to think 22 years ago, I don't even think like that. The way I used to feel 22 years ago when I first gave my life to Jesus, I don't even feel like that. Why? Because there's genuine life change. Amen? All right. The other thing is when a branch is not connected to their source is they become an immature branch. Immaturity is not based on age. Immaturity is based, based on what you are connected to, which is Jesus. So new branches require several years of pruning before they can produce. So many of us, God allows suffering and trials and persecution to see where you're at. The principle is this, we need time to grow. Growth may involve suffering. Consistency is the key. Everybody say that. Consistency is the key. Amen? There's so many times where suffering may come, right? How many ever wonder why, if I'm a believer and trying to live for God, why am I suffering? How many ever felt that? Does anybody understand why God would allow suffering? I used to, I used to question this all the time. What were you going to say? For us to change. What's another reason? See how much you can take without giving up. Anybody else? To realize his love for us which is right which is which is kind of crazy to say right because some people say if God really loved me why would he allow suffering right but you know Jesus is our example what did Jesus say while he was about to go to the cross do you know that Jesus didn't want to go to the cross did you know that Jesus didn't want to suffer in the garden of Gethsemane he said three times God let this cup pass from me. A lot of people think, oh, Jesus was gladly and willing to go there. No, he wasn't. He wouldn't want to suffer. He knew the price he had to pay. Three times. What does that mean? That means Jesus was tempted to give up. 
What does that mean? Jesus was tempted not to do the will of God. You know, temptation is not sin. Temptation is just what it is, temptation. Right? Three times he says, let this cup pass from me. And what did he say the third time? He said, not my will, your will be done. Ain't that powerful? You're about to take the beating of your life. That literally, if anybody else would have took that beating, they would have physically died, some commentators say. Physically died. He could have physically died when they were uh, whipping him. Physically, he could have died. But what kept him alive? What kept him alive is because he had to fulfill the mission. He had to physically die on a cross. Because of the significance of the cross. What's the significance of the cross? The Bible says that cursed is the man that hangs on a tree or on a cross. What is that significant? The reason why Jesus had to die on a cross is because he wanted to break every curse upon your life. Generational curse. Curses that you brought upon yourself. Because unless he died on a cross, he wouldn't be able to break those curses off your life. Some of us, the reason why, and I know this for my family, there's a lot of alcoholics in my family. There's people in my family that died of overdoses. That's a generational curse in my family. But praise God, when I gave my life to Jesus, that generational curse was broken. Why? Because he hung on a tree. Right? Why am I saying this? It's because there is a purpose in your suffering. Paul says this. He says, in the midst of uh, having a thorn in my flesh, he says, I prayed three times. There's something about the number three, right? I prayed three times for it to leave me. And the Lord spoke to me, I'm paraphrasing, and he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. So why does God allow suffering? Not only to grow us, to make us productive, but so that we could understand His grace. Grace is so much more than just salvation. Grace is you begin to understand that I don't deserve what I have. I should be dead right now, me personally. I had an autoimmune disease. Seven, I still have it, but I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease in November of 2013. And I became paralyzed. I couldn't walk anymore. And it was a series of weeks where I got like that, but my, my body began to get physically ill. And I began not be able to walk. I couldn't walk. There was one time I was in my mother's house. And I was trying to get up, and I fell to the ground, and I couldn't get up. To the point where my mom had to call the fire department for them to come and pick me up so I could go to the, to the doctor. And so through that whole process, I was in the hospital for about three months and I was asking God, why is this happening to me? God has blessed me in such a way where I've been able to see people get healed. People get, you know, healed from cancer, deaf ears pop open. I've seen all that, right? And here I am laying in a bed sick, not being able to move. And so, you know, going through that situation, you begin to ask questions. God, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through all this stuff? And in reality, at the end of the day, I began to understand that God was trying to show me who he really is and not who I thought he was. One night, inside of the rehab, uh, rehab institute, this is where they, te they were teaching me how to walk again and all that stuff. Um, I began to cry out 
and I was shedding tears and I said, God, if, you, if this is what you want from me, if this is what you want from me, if this is how you want me to live, I'll preach the gospel in a wheelchair if you want me to. Just let me know if I'm going to stay like this. I'll still serve you. It doesn't matter to me that I'm going through this kind of suffering. It mattered to me before, but I just need to know if I'm going to stay like this. And God began to speak to me and he began to say, do you trust me? And while he's saying that, I have tears rolling down my face. And he kept on saying, do you trust me? And the whole room is dark. The, the, the door is cracked. I can see the nurses walking by and God speaking to me. And I began to cry out to God and I said, I trust you. I trust you. Before that, when they would tell me to walk, it took me 30 minutes to walk 10 steps. 30 minutes. And this is what a person behind me, watching that I don't fall. This is what a person in front of me, holding me up. And they had a wheelchair behind me just in case I could just sit down. It took me 10 steps, 10, 30 minutes to walk 10 steps. The minute I said, God, I trust you. The very next day, instead of 10 steps, I walked 125 steps. The day after that, I didn't walk 125 steps, I walked 250 steps. And it just kept on progressing to the point that when I left there, I was walking over a thousand steps. And through the whole process, some people ask me, and I'm still learning through that process, but one of the things I've learned is, God is a miracle working God. That his word is true. Amen. That if you, if throughout the years of all that studying his word and preaching his word and speaking faith into people and all that stuff, that's all I relied on when I was alone inside of that room paralyzed was his word. Was it my relationship with him? I promise you, I promise you that if I did not have a relationship with Christ, I would be done. A few months after, I was already walking and stuff like that, and I didn't realize the severity of my sickness. I, I came to the doctor, and he says, you know, I'm very pleased of your, your progress because most of the people that have your illness don't make it. They actually die because every muscle, I have a, a what they call it, it's a, it's a muscle disease, it's a muscle disorder. Everything else begins to fail. You know, your brain is a muscle, your heart is a muscle, all that stuff. He says, I am so pleased that you, you've, uh, your, your progress, because most people don't make it. Most people die. At that moment, I realized how big it was that what God did for me. Some of you don't even realize how big the thing that God is doing for you right now. You don't even realize it. Because you're caught up in your emotions, you're caught up in your mind, you're caught up of what's happening in your family maybe, maybe you're caught up on your past and the devil is condemning you. You don't even realize the work that God is doing in your life. So what, why does he call us suffering? Because he's pruning unbelief. He's pruning lust. He's pruning that mentality, that negative mentality. He's pruning generational curses off your life. He's pruning, trying to figure it out all on your own. And he's saying, you don't have to figure it out on your own. If you seek me, I'll give you wisdom. 
I'll teach you how to do this. Amen. I got three more things and then we're done. Improper pruning. Watch this. This is what happens to an unfruitful branch. Improper pruning. A wise gardener knows what to remove in order to bring about fruitfulness. How many know that God is a wise gardener? Here's the principle. Our priorities and the focus of our energies must be guided by Christ. Must be guided by Christ and his word, not our own wisdom and not our own desires. This is how you'll know you begin, you're starting to grow. When you don't even care if God fulfills what you want. When your desires die and his desires begin the, most prior, the, the biggest priority of your life. God, do you want me to do this? If you don't want me to do it, I'm cool with it. I'm good with it. That's when you show that you've been connected to the source. God, if you don't want me to do it, I won't do it. God, if you want me to do it, even though I don't want to do it, I'll do it. Why? Because that's what my love for you has grown that much. Amen. Unfruitful. Uh, unfruitful branch. That means most of the time they don't have a gardener. Vines and branches need constant attention. Can I let you know? You're a diva. You need constant attention. Some of you don't even know what a diva is. Thank you. You need constant attention, but you don't need constant attention from a woman, man, or whoever you want it from. And that's what happens when we're not connected to the source. We're not getting that constant attention from Jesus. So we start looking for it everywhere else. But if you begin to connect to the source, here's the principle. When we resist God, when we resist God's guidance and pruning, it leads to unfruitfulness. Amen. Last one. When we're separated from the vine, branches need to be attached to a healthy root. Amen. Here's the principle. We must not think for a moment that we are capable of surviving apart from Jesus Christ and his church. He is the giver and sustainer of our life. He is the giver and sustainer of our life. We have to be connected. When we're separated from the vine, you won't be fruitful. I promise you this, learn this, that if you're not connected to Jesus, you're connected to something. If you're not connected to Jesus, you're connected to something. That's the whole principle that Jesus is trying to say, you're a branch. You have to connect to stay alive. If you're not connected to Jesus, the Bible says you can't do nothing. You can't do nothing without me. In other words, you can live what you think is a successful life. You can live what you think is a productive life. But apart from me, you can't have true success. You can't have, you won't be truly productive. If you're not connected to Christ, you're connected to something. Here's the revelation here that he says, apart from me, you can't do nothing. So what happens if you are in him? You can do all things. If you're apart from him, you can't do nothing. But if you're connected to him, you can do all things. You see how that works? He says, listen, 
It is not God's desire for, to take away blessing. It is His desires for Him to bless you with His blessings. Because you know the devil blesses too. But the reason why the devil blesses is so that he can lure you away from Christ's plan and purposes. He did that to Jesus. What did he do when he was tempted? When Jesus was tempted, he took him up to the, to the hills and he showed him, this is all I can give you. I can give you all this. I can give you all the land. You'll have power. You'll have all that. And if you really think about that, didn't Jesus already have that? He was God, wasn't he? But see, what, God, what the devil was trying to do was he was trying to give Jesus everything that was already coming to him without the process. I'll say that again. The devil was trying to give Jesus everything that was already promised to him without suffering, without obeying God. Right? And that's what the enemy does to us. He promises stuff that God already has in store for us. The only condition with God, he says, if you obey me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Satan says, listen, disobey him, and I'll give you the desires of your heart. The only problem is, is that the devil has a mission statement, and it is to kill, steal, and destroy your life. So he'll, he'll promise you everything and give you nothing. Jesus promised you everything and he says, obey me and I'll give you everything that I have in store for you. And some of those things, when we're obeying God, those desires leave because that wasn't even God's will. And it wasn't even good for us. But praise God, we serve a God that knows more than we do. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray and then if you guys have any questions, we'll open it up for Q&A. So Father God, this morning, I pray that you will begin to touch every single man's life here this morning. I pray, Father God, that we will stay connected, that we will stay connected to the vine, which is Jesus. That we would allow the gardener, which is God the Father, God to begin to prune us, to begin to grow us. And your word says that if this happens, we will bear much fruit. And we understand that it is the Holy Spirit that bears the fruit within our lives. Father, I thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen.